Hi, this is Adam Bergman. On today's Adam Talks, I'm going to be talking with Dan Siegel, a financial advisor and director of investments with Benchmark Financial Wealth Advisors in South Florida. Dan has 21 years of experience, and uh, I think he's going to be a great, great guest to talk about the financial markets, where we are, where we were, where we're going, and give some perspective to all of you in terms of what we can expect. And also to explain some of the intricacies of the markets and, and make some sense of, of what has happened since COVID-19 kind of took over our lives. So, um, Dan, thanks. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Um, yeah, we're in uh, some interesting times right now. And uh, just want to start off by saying uh, just a small disclaimer for compliance purposes. Uh, the views or, or what we're going to talk about today is all of my own. It's only for educational purposes. Uh, if anybody wants uh, more detail on what we're speaking about today, you can always give us a call at Benchmark Financial Wealth Advisors. And, uh, you know, we're happy to speak to you on, on that aspect. Yes, so, yeah. uh, Why don't you give yeah. us, a, give us a, a two minute kind of bio of your impressive background? Yeah, thanks. Um, so I've been in the business for you know 21 years or so right now. Uh, started in, uh, in a very different side of the business, which was on the institutional side. I was uh, a specialist on the floor for a number of years. I worked for uh, Goldman Sachs doing that. Really cut my teeth on the ETF side of the market, which was great. It's um, obviously it's uh, it's an area that's really exploded over the last 10, 15 years. And when you uh, when you look at ETFs, they cover pretty much everything you'd want to cover in the markets. There's obviously <laughs> of recent talk. There's a lot of oil ETFs, uh, so we've covered energy, and then you get into indexes and uh, all different sectors of the market. So I've also uh, in my past had my own broker dealer for a number of years, and I also built out uh, the entire ETF trading and uh, research platform for Canada Fitzgerald. So uh, my, my knowledge runs deep. I am a student of the markets. It's sort of a passion of mine. So I love to follow what's going on. And uh, that's really the, uh, the, the short background. Yeah, no, and I, I personally, I know Dan and his colleague, uh, Roger. Benchmark's a great firm. They've, uh, I've worked with them. I've helped a lot of my clients. So if you are looking for a really good wealth manager, just a, you know, cheap plug for you guys. Um, they're great. Um, it's not, not just their strategies, but they actually take the time and the care, and they will talk to you in their email phones always, uh, their lines are always open. So that's why I'm super excited to have you because I've gotten a lot of questions over the last month from clients and, you know, comments on podcasts and videos about kind of what is going on on the, in the economy. So do you have like any thoughts, kind of basic thoughts on the current state of the economy? Yeah, it's, um, I, I mean, I hate to use the word, but crazy is, is really what we're at right now. You know, if it, when we were talking briefly before this, if you look back 60 days ago, 90 days ago, nobody ever would have thought we'd be in a situation like this. It kind of hit us uh, out of left field. Um, not to say that anybody can ever fully prepare for something like this, but obviously the, the entire globe is not prepared for it. So the economy is really in flux right now. Um, you know, we, we've never, very few living human beings have ever seen anything like this. I mean, I guess you can compare this to the 1918 Spanish flu. 
Uh, and there's a few people that were alive during that point. But, um, you know, it's, it's hard to really predict how we're going to come out of this and, and what's going to be standing when we do come out of this. But there are a lot of positives here. Um, you know, what we've learned in any other crisis that we've been through, and we've been through a lot, is that we typically come out stronger than before and we learn a lot and, and we'll improve on our systems and we'll improve on our economy and we'll, uh, we'll recover. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm with you. I mean, 26 million or so people unemployed, just crazy stuff. I agree, no one ever could have seen this coming. Um, how would you compare this to the Great Recession or the dot-com bubble? Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's look, we always try to, to look back and compare our current situation to something we've been through before. It kind of gives us a little, uh, maybe a, you know, a, a path forward. Um, there are definitely some similarities, but there are also some distinct differences from what we've seen in the past. You know, going back to the dot-com bubble, back in the era, you know, early 2000s, um, markets got very overheated in, in a certain sector, and it kind of brought everything else down. Um, you know, similar to the Great Recession, where we basically had a credit bubble, and uh, that was what caused it. But we, uh, you know, we experienced that over a, a long period of time. We built up to it, and then it took a few years till we recovered. Um, you know, this situation is uh, it's slightly different in the fact that the velocity of the downturn in this move was never seen before. Right, we we went from peak to trough in uh, in a matter of weeks, as opposed to years, like we did back in, in the dot com bubble and the Great Recession. So, we did see an approximate you know thirty five percent peak to trough uh, movement, which we did see in the past in those two other situations. And it took a few years to recover from those other situations, but we did recover fully, and we saw you know we, we seek out new highs. So we believe that we're we're on a similar path. What we don't know is, again, the speed at which this thing happened, how fast we're going to recover out of this. But, you know, we can take, uh, we can take those paths and we can hopefully condense them and, and maybe come out of this quicker than we did in the other situations. Um, you know, this virus did hit all aspects of the economy, which is also different than those past uh, situations, right? Yeah. You know, everybody's suffering right now. And it's not just technology, it's not just the, the banks, uh, Wall Street, Main Street, it's everybody right now. Right. Now, the interesting thing is that it seems like the economy is suffering worse than the markets, right? The markets are pretty much only down 10, 12 percent, um, which isn't awful considering what we're dealing with with COVID. What do you see for, you know, timeline for recovery? Yeah, look, yeah, that, that's a great point, right? A lot of times it's, it's hard to bifurcate the difference between the overall economy and the stock market, and they really are two different things. The stock market is a leading indicator, so it typically reacts much quicker than the overall economy. You know, if, if you think about it as uh, in the boating world, right, the, the economy is a super tanker. It's a, it's a huge behemoth, which is hard to move, and it takes time to actually pull it into dock and to turn it. Whereas the stock market is, uh, you know, it's a wave runner, right? It's fast, it's mobile, it's quick, and it changes very quickly on the direction. So, you know, as far as the timeline for recovery, like I said, this whole thing happens so quick that a lot of times markets are like, uh, like rubber bands. They're elastic. When you stretch them really far in one direction, they snap back 
faster you pull it, the faster it's going to snap back. So we're hoping that's a situation that we see from this, but we just don't know. Um, we don't know how consumers are going to respond to this, and, and consumers really are the economy. So it's a sort of a wait and see, um, and that's kind of how we're looking at it. There's really no hard, true uh, blueprint that we can look at for this. Right. You hear the president keep talking about V shapes or U shapes. I mean, we don't hope, we hope it's not an L shape, but I guess the V shape is where it's a big drop and a big bounce, right? Yep. So we'll hope. Okay. I'm going to throw you a curveball here because in the last week or so oil markets and energy have gone bonkers. You heard about oil like being worth less than toilet paper. Can you explain what's going on with the oil markets? Yeah, it's been uh, something, again, that, that I've never seen and most people uh, have never seen before with oil. So think about oil, right? It's a, it's a commodity that's always in demand, right? It's uh, every time you want to go out to the store, you got to put gas in your car, it comes from oil. All of the, the products that we see on the shelves right now, they're wrapped in plastic, well, that comes from oil as well. Um, cruise ships, right? They don't work on solar power. You know, you got to put a little oil uh, you know, or fuel into them. Same thing with airplanes. So all travel is down right now. Demand for oil is down across the board. We've come out of winter, so heating oil demand is down. Um, you know, numbers are approximately we use about 100 million uh, barrels of oil a day. Um, that's drastically down now. So what are we doing? It's, it's basically we're building up oil reserves. It's very difficult to cap wells. You can't just turn a switch like you do with your hose and shut up an oil well. So once they start pulling that oil out of the ground, they got to keep pulling it out of the ground. They got to keep putting it into tankers and into barrels and store it. So when, uh, when we've got no more room to store this oil, we can't shut off the wells and the demand is down. It's uh, the classic supply demand situation. We have oversupply and, and very little demand. And that's kind of what we've seen lately. You know, and then the other thing that happened a few weeks ago is we had an issue with uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia and they were battling each other for, uh, for oil as far as um, nobody wanted to cut the price on oil. So now we've got kind of a threefold here, right? You've got oversupply, lack of demand, and nobody willing to cut the price on it. Um, that was kind of the perfect storm. So we did see oil contracts go negative for the first time in history. Nobody ever thought that would happen or could happen, but it did. And we're gonna be in, uh, in new territory for a while until demand actually picks up, which will happen again. We know that, but it's, uh, it could take some time. So the interesting thing with oil, I, I was reading that the future contracts are actually decently priced, right? For summer future contracts, if you're gonna actually get delivery of oil in July or August. So I guess that, that would seem to indicate that there is hope for a turnaround. Yeah, but what you mentioned, it's, it's a great point, right? Part of the thing with what a lot of people don't understand about uh, commodities, a lot of these commodities and these future contracts were created so that people could take delivery of a certain product or a commodity. So if you're not taking delivery of this front lawn oil contract, meaning you don't want you know, tons of barrels of oil showing up on your front lawn, um, they've turned into trading instruments. So what people are doing is they're just rolling into different months they don't obviously want oil showing up at their house. So it's very hard to price these things properly. And that's why you see a lot of flux right now. So, you know, it's going to continue for a little while until demand picks up. But 
eventually down the road, if you look out much further into the future, a lot of these uh, these oil contracts are priced totally differently than the front line. Right. So let's take a uh, let's dig a little bit to interest rates because um, interest rates have been cut drastically over the last few months. To obviously, help you know stimulate the markets, the economy. Um, what's your thoughts on you know interest rates? cuts help hurt the economy and recovery what do you think yeah look interest rates are really powerful um you know if, if we look back at all the recessions we've had uh you know and, and peaks and troughs over the last 20 years or so interest rates can can really help out in in market times right originally you know and a lot of people use interest rates or look at interest rates as a way to control inflation um, inflation has been super low in this country for a long time and, you know, has been uh, low for at least the last 15, 20 years. You know, if you go back even to the 80s, once we peaked out our interest rates, interest rates really haven't spiked too much um, to, to counteract inflation. So, you know, right now, interest rates are pretty much zero across the board. So what does that do? So if, if you or I or anybody who's got a business wants to borrow money, you can borrow money very cheaply. So it's a, it's a real powerful tool. When we look back at the financial crisis, but out of that, a lot of problems uh, came down to people getting credit and borrowing. There was very little credit out there. So it was very hard to stimulate business for a long time. Even though interest rates were low at that point, banks weren't really willing to loan money. So we think in this situation, it's gonna be slightly different. The, the Fed did a great job at cutting rates very quickly and keeping interest rates really low going forward. We think are going to help in a few areas. One is, is certainly mortgage rates. Obviously, refis have, uh, have really started to take off, and that puts more money in people's pockets. Um, but we think that um, you know, for business stimulation, interest rates are going to remain low, and it's really going to help us fall out of this thing. Yeah, no, I agree. And that leads you know, my next really thought and questions on government spending, which I, I think they've done what they've had to do. It's crazy times. Uh, the $2 trillion CARES Act, they just added you know, 380 or so billion dollars for PPPs, SB loans for businesses. Um, I mean, what do you think? Is, is this going to be enough to get us over the hump and save the economy? Well, we hope so. Um, and the Fed is willing and the government is willing to spend more on this. Like I said, we've never seen a situation like this. So we're hoping that this is enough of a bridge to get us to the other side. Um, you know, the real, the real kicker here is, yes, we kind of backstop what's going on right now. But as I said earlier, the consumer is really what drives our economy. We're a 70% consumer-driven economy here in the United States. And nobody can tell how the consumer is going to respond to this when we do get back to work and things start to open up. Are people going to be saving more money? Uh, are enough people going to be out of work and looking for jobs that there's not as much disposable income that's going to be spent? We, we just don't know. You know, in our opinion, the government has done a phenomenal job of providing liquidity on the institutional side and on the individual side to keep things going. But it uh, remains to be seen on, you know, how we do come out of this. The other problem with this is, you know, the government is printing money and, and spending money like it's water. At some point, we are going to have to repay this money. So how do we repay this money? Well, really, the only way we do it is, is the taxes. Yeah. So at some point in our future, taxes are going to have to go up so we can repay this kind of money. 
But, you know, like I said, uh, again, I keep saying we've never seen a situation like this. We've never printed and borrowed as much money as we have and pumped it into the economy. So this is kind of uncharted territory on what we're going to do in the future. Yeah, my thing is I'm with you. I mean, they're going to have to raise taxes or develop some type of, you know, tax uh, type of mechanisms, whether it's like mark to market taxation or some sales tax, um, value added tax, something to help pay for this stuff. But the, the most important thing is just to get us over the cliff, right? To build that bridge. And I think they've done what they had to just like in, you know, 08, 09 with the tarp they've done and, and thrown enough cash, hopefully in the economy to just uh, avoid a collapse. Um, and I think that's the only thing we, the government should focus on right now, right? Yeah, and, and look, they've they've moved much quicker in this situation yeah. than, they, than they did back in 08, 09. Um, the Fed was was very swift in their reaction to this. And, you know, hopefully that, again, in this condensed time frame will really help us on the recovery side. You know, it's not a, a perfect situation, obviously, when you come out with these plans so quickly. There are going to be holes. There are going to be gaps. But I think speed was of the essence here that, you know, the, every day that they waited before they enacted these, these different programs hurt more and more people. Yeah. And the fact that they got them out so quickly, in our opinion, was, uh, was really good for the economy. Yeah, no, I, I remember 08, 09, super clear, where there, there were weeks where they were debating on what to do with the car companies, the airlines, and it was just, they, they ended up really digging themselves a hole because they, they couldn't make decisions. Yep, totally um, right. So, so let me just, um, you know, I got you for a few more minutes. So let's say you had just a stack of cash lying around um, and someone came to you and said, you know, what should you be doing? What sectors do you like? If you had money to invest and you had some powder, uh, where would you be looking? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, question, right? Right now, I mean, maybe we'll start with where we think is going to take the longest to recover as far as the overall economy, and, and that is probably the, the travel and leisure space. Um, business travel will recover. People will start to take vacations again when we get the all clear, but we just don't know when that will happen. You know, obviously, everybody is, is dreaming for a vaccine. Um, between now and the time the vaccine does hopefully come out, there will be some other treatments that come out that uh, will hopefully bridge that gap and, and alleviate some of the issues of maybe going to a hospital. And that's really going to help uh, determine what recovers the quickest. Um, so right now, we're, we're not too keen on the travel and leisure. We do think it will return. Um, and there are some really solid companies that uh, will, will definitely get through this and then be very investable again. But in the short term, we, we really like technology. Um, it has really driven this economy forward for the last 10 years or so. And we think it will continue to drive the, the economy forward. There's a lot of, uh, as we see now, you and I, we're, we're both in our, our homes or most people are working from home. So technology has really bridged the gap on how we can work and it's gonna change how we work in the future. So we, we do like the technology sector. Um, Something else that, uh, you know, it, it is going to take a little time to recover, we think are going to be the autos. People will always drive. They will always get in cars. Um, but right now, the auto companies are, are definitely hurting. Their balance sheets are much stronger than they were back in 08, 09, but they will come through. They will come out of this, but it's going to take a little bit longer. 
So, uh, you know, our, if we had a bucket of money right now, we, we'd be looking at technology and, uh, you know, that, that's probably where we put the, uh, the, the majority of more of the, uh, you know, the aggressive bucket of that. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, yeah, obviously, you know, Amazon's um, been super strong, uh, been positive the last few months, huge growth. Um, so, yeah, there, I think there's a lot of great opportunities going forward. The U.S. economy is not going anywhere. We, we will have a tough 2020, but we will rebuild and be stronger. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm super bullish on, on a lot of different companies. Uh, you, do you have any final thoughts, Dan, just something to leave the listeners? Yeah, I think what you just said is really important, right? It's that the U.S. economy will recover. We will come out of this and we will be stronger than ever before. There's a lot of things that are going to have to pivot. You know, there, I, in our opinion, we don't believe that we can outsource manufacture for a lot of things that are, are really important to this country anymore, like medical supplies. We've seen how, uh, how hard it is to get certain PPE into this country now. We're going to have to start doing some domestic manufacturing where a lot of that's left and going to other countries. You know, typically in the past, manufacturing left here because the biggest expense were the people that ran the machines and that were on the lines. Well, manufacturing has changed a lot due to technology. A lot of it's done with robots, meaning that the, the overall cost is a lot less to maintain here. So we think that manufacturing is going to have to come back to the United States as, um, as we move forward with this. But we do, we do believe that we learned from all these experiences and what we learned in 08-09, we strengthened the banks and all their balance sheets. And if that wasn't the case, if that didn't happen back then, we'd be in a whole world of hurt right now. Yeah. You, know, you don't hear any stories about banks uh, on, the, on the verge of collapsing like we did in 08-09. I mean, it was, it was super close. If you dig into the history of what happened, a lot of these big banks were literally on the verge of going out and it took uh, deals and phone calls between the federal government and some very large investors like Warren Buffett to save a lot of these banks like Goldman Sachs, like JP Morgan. Um, and we did lose some obviously with Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers. So we learned in that situation, we're gonna learn in this and, and we think that brighter days are ahead. Another thing that we think is gonna have to happen in this country is infrastructure. We've been pushing it off for years and years. Our bridges, our roads are collapsing. Um, our grids, our power grids are old and dated. We think a lot's gonna have to change with that to really push us into the, uh, into the future. So we're hoping that um, whatever, uh, whatever party is in power after the next election, that uh, they've learned a lot. And we all learn a lot as a, as a nation and as a globe and we move forward and we come out of this and, and things will be good in the future. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm pretty positive, but you know, Dan Siegel, director of investments, benchmark financial, uh, benchmark financial, uh, financial service firm, they have close to 500 million NASA center advisement. So, um, you know, Dan, obviously super, um, appreciative of you jumping on i know you're, you're really busy dealing with markets and clients but if you want more info about with dan or benchmark check out their website benchmarkfinancial.info or even more info um really appreciate it, dan um you know thanks for spending some time i know um the, the stuff is kind of hard to digest when you read it so appreciate you coming on and, and really explaining to all of us so um Adam Bergman, IRA Financial, uh, thanks for you know, listening and watching. Definitely subscribe. 
to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud. Um, it's, it's a weekly podcast, so there's always every week there's a new podcast for interesting takes on retirement planning, investment strategies, alternative, and also traditional, like with Dan today. So thanks again for watching and listening. Uh, be safe, be healthy, and uh, until next time.